Welcome to the Man in the Mirror Bible Study Podcast. Today we're continuing our series, Looking at the Fruit of the Spirit. Our topic today is kindness, much more than being nice. And our speaker is Pat Morley, author and founder of Man in the Mirror. Good morning, men. Morning. And welcome to the Bible study. So we want to give a shout out to those guys who are joining us online, our warm, rousing Man in the Mirror Malcolm, uh, whatever. On the count of three, one, two, three, hoorah. Welcome, guys. We're glad to have you with us. All right, so we're in the series, Fruit of the Spirit. Today we're talking about kindness and uh, much more than just being nice, although it's about being nice, certainly. So what do you think are some good examples of kindness that you can think of right off? They don't have to be things you've done. Maybe you're not even a kind person, but think of something that uh, would be kind of that would occur to you. So, okay, so forgiving, yeah, certainly. Something specific, like maybe like helping an elderly woman put groceries in her car, something like that. Say it again. Holding holding the door for people. Okay, that's good. But buying some groceries for people, you know, picking up a Paying a Ford, paying a Ford, maybe buying, buying a lunch for somebody at the table next to you, something like that. Say it again. Saying hello to a stranger. Yeah, or say, yeah, that's fantastic. The others? Uh, I did something kind yesterday. My neighbor had knee surgery, knee replacement surgery yesterday, and so... I went over and took the trash bin back in at the end of the day. Um, first time I'd ever taken that nice, but <laughs> felt good. <laughs> Maybe it was stimulated by the fact that we were talking about this today. No, I'm kidding. I, I, uh, actually, I prefer to have people put my trash bin back rather than touch their trash bin, so I'm just saying. So uh, offer a homeless person a meal. That would be kind, right? How about... Um, Feeding wild animals, is that kind? Well, you know, it's interesting. Actually, there are things that we do that seem to be kind at first blush, but maybe they're not so kind, right? So there uh, is a, a young man who uh, his parents sent him off to a college up in Georgia, and he got a speeding ticket going 98 miles an hour, and they overlooked it, driving back home. And then uh, a couple of weeks ago, he got another speeding ticket for going 103, for going 103. So is it uh, kindness to, for those parents to overlook that and let their son keep his car? Or would it be more kind for them to ground him with regard to the vehicle for forever or for a period of time? So kindness is, uh, you know, not always just sweetness. You no doubt have heard the story about the little boy who saw the butterfly starting to come out of the chrysalis and thought it would help the butterfly and so took a razor blade and cut the chrysalis open. And then you know what happened. As a result of that, the butterfly was never able to fly because part of the process of becoming a butterfly is... The, 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 the work that the butterfly has to do with its wings to get fluid in its wings and everything by struggling out of the chrysalis. 
So uh, actually, sometimes an act of kindness can actually be the exact opposite effect of that, right? And you have other examples as well. Flight Avianca, Flight 52 in 1990. Some of you might remember this or read about it. A flight from Colombia, um, is it Medellin or Medellin? Medellin, yeah, here the Medellin, Colombia to New York City. And there was bad weather in New York City, and so they kept, uh, and heavy traffic, and so they kept telling the planes to, to circle and so forth. And so Avianca Flight 2, the Colombians have a culture, a very warm uh, culture. And so they kept saying, well, you know, we're, we're running a little low on fuel. You know, we're running a little low. And they kept getting put by the air traffic and controllers back into another holding pattern. And, and, and then eventually they, they flew under the ground because they ran out of fuel. Uh, be, because they were overly kind because of the culture, so instead of just saying, you know, declaring a fuel emergency, which would, in the air traffic control business, when you declare that uh, fuel emergency, you get immediate landing authority. But they literally ran out of fuel because they were trying to be, you know, kind. So let's talk a little bit about this. And we're going to look at it uh, maybe a, a little different perspective than, than you might be used to. We want to start with examples of God's kindness, examples of God's kindness. And the first one is the one we would all imagine, uh, Hosea chapter 11, verse 4. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. And so this is the kindness, the uh, of God. This is not exactly chesed, the uh, Old Testament word for loving kindness, uh, a very uh, a rich word. There are parallels to the kindness in the New Testament, but chesed is a C-H-E-S-E-D. is much more broad than that. Uh, this is kind of part of that. Anyway, the point here is that, that God is a very kind and loving parent. But I want to make the point that God is, a, God is a kind parent, but he is not an enabler. So if you would give me a, a little freedom here, I'd like to just do a little enabling tutorial. So if you are uh, a parent and you are trying to raise children who are healthy, uh, who have... Uh, you would do these things, and you would you would help them do things they can't do for themselves. So, if you want to be a kind person, then you you want to help people do things that they can't do for themselves. So, if you see a lady struggling to put groceries in her car, that's something she can't do for herself, and so to help her to do that would be very kind. Or if you see someone who um, is, is down and they just can't get themselves back up again and you offer a word of encouragement to them and their face brightens, then you're, you're helping them. You're doing something that they can't do for themselves. On the other hand, uh, in this area of uh, parenting, in this tutorial on enabling, uh, requiring your children or people to do what they can and should do for themselves. 
Or you may have, for example, uh, is it kind to give money to a relative? Well, it depends, right? (laughs) It kind of depends, right? So I heard about uh, this week a story about someone who bought a a, a car, someone's, uh, their niece bought a car, and then they came to my friend and asked them for $300 to pay for repairs on this, this car which was not the first time that they had asked for money to do something like that. And so my friend said, well, I can give you $200. The person, the relative that they asked, blocked their phone number, won't take their calls anymore because they wouldn't give them $300, but only offer them $200. So my friend knew that what was going on is that this was a person who was taking advantage, uh, asking them to do something that they really could and should have done for themselves, you know, figure out the right way to budget and be responsible. So now sometimes giving $300 for car repair, I mean, that would be fine. But in this particular case, uh, the, the idea was is that, that that niece could and should have figured out how to do that for themselves. And so my friend knew that they would be enabling them to do the whole thing. Went ahead and offered the $200 anyway, but you see what happened in that. And then uh, the final piece of this is requiring people to take responsibility when they do something they shouldn't have done. Talking sassy back to your mom and dad. Or how about just being sassy in a relationship? You know, sometimes guys, we have this, uh, the five love languages, you've heard it said we have a sixth love language. I think Pete Alwinson is the one that came up with this. Trash talk. But, you know, sometimes trash talk can get out of hand, too. And we can actually be bruising people instead of being kind and encouraging them. I, I love trash talk and humor as much as anybody, but not when it, uh, not when, not when it uh, goes over the line. And so, so sometimes, you know, we... Uh, in, in his parents and then also his friends, we should be requiring people to take responsibility when they do something they should not have done. And this is exactly how God operates. These are examples of God's kindness. These are examples of God's kindness. God will help you do things you can't do for yourself. He's going to require you to do what you can and should do for yourself. And if you do something <laughs> that you shouldn't have done, he's going to require you to take responsibility for it. And so I want to show you how that works. It's complicated, or is it? So Romans chapter 2, verse 4 says that God's kindness is intended to lead to repentance. God's kindness is intended to lead to repentance. So sometimes he gives you a kiss on the cheek, but other times, he, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10, it says God disciplines those he loves, just like a parent disciplines their children. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25 says, See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. And then if you want to, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, and then verses 27 and 28. I'd just like to read these to you. And uh, I I refer to verse 27 as the the brutality of grace. You probably have heard me talk about the brutality of grace of grace before. Uh, Skipping what came uh, uh, just before it, it says uh, the words once more, 
indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things. So, as men, we are tempted to create shakable kingdoms, a shakable kingdom built on created things. And uh, my own story, it's interesting, I was with a young man, 31 uh, years of age, this week, and I I found myself being more vulnerable about uh, my my past than I had ever been with anybody before, except my wife. And I, I realized, you know, I've 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 told my story here before in a way that sounds like I'm a was a, a, a really a materialistic, greedy person, and but I guess I haven't told the half of it. I mean, I really haven't told the half of it. But as a, as a young man, success was my God. You know, my life philosophy, money will make me happy and success will solve my problems. That was my life philosophy. But I was out of, I've realized this week, you know, I was out of control, completely out of control. So immersed in success sickness that uh, I was out at the very end, I was out putting down deposits on land to develop that I had no plan to develop. <laughs> and I ended up losing a lot of deposit money as a result of that. And at the same time, God was speaking to my heart. And so I was trying to sort all this out. And uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 23, one day I was reading it, the third seed in the parable of the sower, but, but, the, man, uh, but, the, but the seed that fell amongst the thorns is like the man who hears the word, and I was reading the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of money choke the word and make it unfruitful. So I was reading the word, but it was getting choked because of, because of all the worries of this life, trying to build this big business empire, and, and, and I did, and, and, and the deceitfulness of money, and I, and I, and I had it. I, I mean, I had it all, and I was miserable. I hated my life. I hated my life. I didn't know why. But then when I read that verse, I realized what had happened. Uh, I, I was a materialist trying to be a Christian instead of a, a Christian trying to overcome materialism. And so at that point, I decided that I would become a recovering materialist. And I suppose I still am. And I had the disease, you've heard me call it this, success sickness. It's the disease of always wanting more, but then never being happy when you get it. So failure, of course, means to not get what you want. But another way of defining failure would be to say that failure means to get exactly what you want, only to find out that it doesn't really matter. And so we, we, we have these, these uh, shakable kingdoms the, of created things that we make. And so, uh, it, and, and we're not happy <laughs> about it. We thought it would make us happy. We're not at all happy about it. And uh, so, so what would a loving parent do? Oh, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Everything will work out all right. Uh, and be sweet and be kind and sort of, you know, pat you on the back. Well, God's not that kind of a kind parent. His kindness looks up and it shows up like this. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken. That is created things. Why? so that what cannot be shaken may remain. There is an unshakable kingdom that God wants to give each of us 
and it and it, it cannot coexist well with a shake with a shakable kingdom. And so we know this is true, that this is a blessing, not a curse, because in the next verse, 28, it reads, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Now it says, since we're receiving a kingdom that can't be shaken, let us be thankful. So let me ask you, what, what should you be thankful for? A, a, a blessing or a kindness or a curse? Well, just use common sense. You're not going to be thankful for a curse, right? So it's not a curse that God is removing your shakable kingdom, the created things. It's, it's a kindness. It's a blessing. So therefore, let us be thankful. Does this make sense? So in his kindness, God intervenes. Sometimes it feels very brutal with his grace to keep us from destroying ourselves. You've heard me say this before. It's like the little child, three-year-old child, maybe four-year-old child uh, playing in the surf at the ocean. Mommy and daddy are over at the car and they're talking and not paying attention. Then Suddenly, the father looks up and sees that the little child is, is rushing into a five-foot wave breaker about to crash onto the shore of the, of, of the ocean, uh, gleefully thinking that this is the most fun thing that's, that the child has ever done, not realizing that the child is about to be crushed, and perhaps even worse. And so the father leaps to his feet, runs across the beach, scoops up the little child in, its, in, in his arms just before the, the, the wave would, would have destroyed the child. And so what does the child do? Oh, thank you, Father, so much for sparing me from certain destruction. No, it's throws a temper transfer, right? It, 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 because it couldn't get its own way. And, and, and this, is, this, is, this is the kindness of God, even, even, even when we feel like he's been unfair and unkind and uh, uh, to us. And so grace can feel brutal at the time, but it's kindness. And there is a parallel that I'm going to talk to you about that we have in each other's lives, a type of kindness that we have. So the next thing uh, I should probably talk about is, so we, will, well, we need to get to the big idea, right? And it's this. Sometimes kindness is a hug, but sometimes it's a kick in the pants. Sometimes kindness is a hug, but sometimes it's a kick in the pants. I have this on my Bible study preparation worksheet. I've had it there for years, and I have a question here. What is, what is the hug? What is the kick in the pants? You know, sometimes the talk is all hug. Sometimes it's all kick in the pants, but rarely that. Uh, but um, there's the big idea. And then, so there are two kinds of kindness we want to talk about. The first is this this, the hug, right? Colossians 2, uh, Colossians 3, verses 12 to 14. This is a, one of the lists of virtues. You know, Paul loves to make lists. I do too. Uh, but Paul loves to make lists. And he talks about uh, the, the, the love cluster, the love cluster. It's compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with each other, forgiving uh, each other as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So 
This is the love cluster. Uh, it, it's grace, it's mercy, it's generosity, it's sacrifice, it's in words of encouragement, and you can think of many other things to put on the list as well. Uh, one kind of kindness is the love cluster. And the second kind of, uh, well, the, this is another example, James chapter 2, verse, verses 14 to 17 uh, what good is it, my brothers, if someone claims to have faith but no deeds? Uh, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, <laughs> uh, keep warm and be well fed, you know, but does nothing about their physical goods, what good is it? So faith without deeds instead. That's that whole famous passage out of the book of James. So yes, this is part of the love cluster. And so... Do you give money to, uh, you know, so is it, is, it, is, it, is it kind to buy a homeless person a meal? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is it kind to give money to an intersection beggar? It depends. It depends. I mean, if the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do that, do it. Uh, my, my, uh, my wife, Patsy, happens to be the most kind person that I've ever known, and I've lived with her for 50 years. Her life word is kindness. It's, the, it's her highest value. It's the thing that she most prizes and treasures in other people. It's the thing that she most does with her own life, and, and, and she will never, ever give a nickel to an intersection beggar. All right? Because to her, that's, that's not an act of kindness. Because there are so many social services and, you know, mental health services that are available. And, and, and then some of the people that do that, you know, maybe have less than kind motives. So anyway, she doesn't do that. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. But, but the thing is, is that uh, she is taking care of these physical needs in other ways. So it's not that she, well, you get what I'm saying. Second kind of kindness, though, that we want to talk about is the truth cluster. It's the truth cluster. Uh, most recently, uh, this, is, this is my big thing in this stage of my life, keeping it real. Because what happens when you get older, um, in, in your marriage, if you're married, or in your relationship with your girlfriend, if you have a girlfriend, one of the most... Um, destructive things that you can have is to, to not have, and Paul Tournier, the Swiss, Swiss psychologist came up with this, is a lack of complete frankness, a lack of complete frankness. And what happens is, as Paul Tournier, he would have a man come to him and he would talk about all of these things that were important to him, uh, uh, how, how he's getting satisfaction from his business and, and uh, what brought him pleasure and joy. And he said, well, he would say to the man, he said, well, how does your wife feel about that? He said, oh, she doesn't. I've, I've never talked to her about this. And, and so this, this idea of lack of complete frankness is, is the re, part of it's the result of keeping secrets from one another because a little hurts that happen along the way and don't get talked about. And, and, and then as you get older, too, uh, things like memory, you know, you, people start forgetting things. And, uh, and you, can, you can begin to sort of just pretend it's not happening 
And then you have this, this kind of like fantasy relationship. It's built around fluff. It's built around, it's not built around truth. And so uh, at this stage in my life, at my age, uh, my wife and I are, were focused on this idea of keeping it real, keeping it real, not pretending that things are not, you know, memories are not slipping here and there and things like that. And uh, it's part of the truth cluster. It's part, of, and it's see, you, you see how unkind it is to the other person not to keep it real. And that can be in business. And we'll talk about some practical examples like in business and, and, and elsewhere when we, when we get there. But the truth cluster also includes structure. So uh, good parenting includes four things, love, structure, roots, and wings. And so structure, you know, it was, it was Larry Crabb that taught me many years ago when we had children in diapers. Uh, our children need to know, yes, I love you, and no, you can't have your own way. So uh, having too much structure or not enough structure, it's just not kind. It's so, but that's part of the truth cluster. And then discipline, and then correction like we talked about with God correcting us. And then discipleship, uh, being here and gaining the knowledge of the truth of the gospel of the, Lord, our, uh, 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 of the kingdom and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, this is a kindness to, t to teach you the truth, to learn the truth, to teach each other the truth, to, to embrace. It's it, the, one of the most unkind things we can do is not tell people the truth about God. And so Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 and 15, talk about this truth and love, peace. Christ gave uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. And then several other verses that are pretty good, but then dropping down to verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So speaking the truth in love is kindness. It's kindness. It's how we become mature. I mean, the, the whole, the whole I, idea is that we want to become faithful disciples of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And how can you do that if we don't emphasize keeping it real structure, discipline, obedience, correction, and, 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 and this idea of uh, truth, truth. So the big idea, sometimes kindness is a hug, but sometimes it's a kick in the pants. So let's take a look then at some ideas to be kind, uh, whether you're feeling it or not. Sometimes you're feeling like being kind, sometimes you're not, and whether the other person deserves it or not, okay? And we could go on and on about this, but kindness, practically speaking, at home, around home, at work, and here. So at home, uh, read the room. Read the room. If if you have somebody, uh, a spouse or a, uh, uh, or a roommate or um, a friend that's been invited, read read the room. And 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 you could you know the eyes are the window into the soul. I mean you can tell what's going on generally speaking just by taking a moment to observe the other the other person. And they and they uh, keep it real. Keep it real. If somebody's uh, being um, uh, dishonest or uh, manipulative or not taking responsibility for their actions, keep it real. Don't, don't sugarcoat it. Tell them the truth. In love, but tell them the truth. And then the flip side of that is, is letting the little ones go. Uh, this is grace. And uh, so I 
this has always been one of my governing principles. Uh, let the little ones go and work to let bigger and bigger ones become littler and littler as time goes on so that over time, uh, the things that bother me now will not bother me in the future because I'm growing in grace and discipleship. And, uh, and, and, and grace is the lubricant that keeps, you know, it's, you know, keeps it, keeps it going. So at home and then around the home, neighbors, lawn care, trash bins. We talked about trash bins. So, uh, I have cat's claw growing all over my yard. Cat's claw is a remnant of the citrus industry. Apparently at some point there were citrus trees on the property where our home is. And cat's claw has a bulbous root. So you can't just pull the weeds and make it go away. You have to dig out the bulbs. Otherwise it keeps coming back. So I finally found someone who pulls weeds for money. Do you know how hard it is to actually find somebody who was willing to pull weeds these days? But I found a woman uh, who is willing to pull weeds for a reasonable amount of money. And so for the last six months or so, I've been having her come by. And so she comes by, she'll dig out the bulbs, but then they come back. Now they come back, but you know, maybe the 50% of them come back, you know, and then now, but we're almost, we're almost done with this project. We're almost done with this project. But I noticed something, and I've noticed this with a number of women uh, over the years, mostly waitresses, but now this, this, this weeder, is that it's obvious. It's, it was obvious that she distrusted me and that she was fearful of me. So I knew immediately she had been hurt by a man. And you've had waitresses. You, you can just tell by the way they interact with the with the, the, your date or your wife um, or the way they interact with you, you can tell there's a difference in the way that they respond. They've been hurt. And this woman is so fragile. I mean, just so incredibly fragile. And I, I knew this from the beginning. So I have uh, just been trying to be uh, an encourager to her. Uh, I pay her a little extra. You know, obviously, if you're pulling weeds for a living. You don't have a lot of extra money. So I give her a little, a little tip each time. And uh, I compliment her work. And, uh, I, and I say kind, kind words of, you know, just appreciating you being here. And this woman's been transformed. This woman has been transformed. Now, uh, I'm not doing it to trick her into, into believing in Jesus. But I do have also in, in the back of my mind, I always have the gospel purpose there that this and, and I've had a I've had a couple of neighbors. She's a, she doesn't wear many clothes. OK. Uh, and uh, so uh, I've had some neighbors say some kind of um, I, I would call them off comments about about her. And I keep telling them, I said, you know, uh, I just, I want you to know, she, this, this woman is, is a very special woman. And uh, she, she deserves the same human dignity that all of us observe, uh, deserve. Uh, she was created in the, in the image of God. God loves her. Uh, now, what I've learned about her, she has a daughter that she loves dearly, a teenage daughter. Uh, and she's enabling the daughter, by the way, but that's okay. 
that's a different story for a different day. And then she has a mother, and uh, the the she and her daughter live with the mother. And then uh, recently, I've learned she actually has some friends, and so she she you know, but she's beginning to reveal herself the the trust. She's starting to trust me. She's telling me things about herself, and we actually this week had a laugh together. This week, we had a laugh together about her daughter. Her daughter, daughter's in a band or something like that. And so we had a laugh about her daughter. Something that would never have happened, but this, uh, this, this, this metering out, this, this, this kindness, and knowing what I'm doing, intentional kindness, but metering that out, out it, 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 it's, trans, it's transforming uh, this woman. So, you know, uh, I've got the same thing going on with my with my uh, long guy. He's got a son who's on the spectrum, and uh, so I'm praying for his son every day and talking to him about that. And, and you can just see, you know, the, the 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 nature of the relationship is changing because of kindness. So I don't know where all that leads, uh, and it doesn't have to lead any other where in any other place. But it's the benevolence of God by the power of his Holy Spirit, because kindness is a fruit of his Holy Spirit. And then at work, see it, say it, fix it. You know, this is, uh, this is uh, how the Mercedes Formula One team got built. See it, say it, fix it. But just telling the truth, just you, you see something going wrong, instead of, there's so much backbiting at work, I don't know what it is, it's just, why won't somebody say to me what they're more than willing to say to somebody else? Or why won't I say to somebody what I'm more than willing to say to somebody else? You know, and just being honest and truthful, that is an act of kindness. And then here, uh, right at the Bible study, this was a hospital for men with broken wings. That's how we set it up from the very beginning. And so, yeah, let's go ahead and kid around. And, and uh, But when we're trash talking, let's not be throwing each other under the bus, you know, that kind of thing. And I don't think we do, but just be careful about that. But but understand that that at any moment, at least half of the men in this room at least half of the men at your table are struggling with something. They, may, they still may not be comfortable telling you what it is, but they're struggling with something that is so oppressive to them, so oppressive to them, that they are even wondering if God cares about them. They, they're, sometimes they're even wondering, men, you have men in this room who are wondering, is, is God real? I mean, I've had, I've had, I have those thoughts. I mean, you know, when I have uh, been through a decade of losses, all, all kind of, you know, all kinds of losses, and uh, some of you know about my brother Pete, uh, part of our Bible study, he's still in John's Monday morning group, and uh, you know, a year and a half ago, uh, he, he stopped paralyzed from the waist down, and uh, just one one thing one thing after another, and and so I mean, there have been times when I've said, you know, I mean, am I just is this just wishful thinking? Am I just making this up in my imagination? Then I just go back through the scriptures and, I, and, and then the relationships and see, uh, you know, the, the relationships with my friends and, and talk through, you know, the gospel. The gospel is real. The gospel is going to be more real to you, more real to the other guy when we're kind to each other. And kindness of of, of the kind we've been talking about this morning, the kind that sometimes is a hug, but sometimes it's a kick in the pants. That's kindness. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your 
your kindness, which uh, can come as a kiss on the cheek or as it could, uh, uh, or, a, or, or a hug, but it can also come as the brutality of grace and discipline. And, and yet in, in, in all of these things, you're being kind to us. Help us, Lord, to be uh, truth tellers, but in love. And uh, let us be the, the, the men who walk in this fruit of the Spirit, this, this kindness towards each other in our families, at, in our homes, our places of work here and uh, in the neighborhoods and places where we play as well. We ask these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find the Man in the Mirror Bible Study wherever you listen to podcasts as well as on our YouTube page. If you have found this helpful, please subscribe, give us a five-star rating, and share the podcast with friends. Since 1986, Man in the Mirror has been teaching the Bible, helping us reflect deeply as men and apply God's truth to our lives. This Bible study is recorded in front of a live audience every Friday morning outside of Orlando, Florida. If you need help navigating your life or leading other men, please go to maninthemirror.org and check out our vast library of Bible study videos, blogs, and articles on Christian growth and leadership. There are plenty of resources you can use to grow in your faith and help others grow too. At maninthemirror.org, you will find books written just for men, helpful materials for your church's ministry to men, and even a potential career in men's discipleship. If you're a man personally struggling in life, or you need help in discipling men, please send us an email at biblestudy at maninthemirror.org and let us know how we can help.